Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. And we're very happy today to be talking with Dr. Susan Stahl, who is an advocate for women aging. In 1985, Dr. Susan Stahl designed and taught a college course entitled Gender and the Built Environment, Redesigning the American Dream. Since then, her scholarship and activism has expanded to innovations in housing that center on affordability, design, and the capacity for community building. Susan offers national and international perspectives on the age on age-friendly living. Currently, she's focusing on the missing middle, those who are neither rich nor poor, whose housing needs to be tends to be ignored. Susan will introduce us to a variety of housing options. So, Susan, welcome. Thank you. Women over seventy. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you. I qualify because I'm over 70. <laughs> but even as an advocate, you could be younger. <laughs> Double qualification. Okay. So Susan, how tell us a little bit, how and when did you get interested in housing matters? Um, yeah, I was rethinking about this this morning and how I really got into it um, and started working in that area was um, when I was, when I was, in Chicago for a few years in, in the early 80s, and I was working with the I was working on Hair Washington's campaign um, with a group called Women United for a Better Chicago, and we were um, helping to put the slate together for Hair Washington's campaign as it pertained to women. And this is the campaign he won. So um, we got a small grant because of that, and uh, I suggested that we do uh, year long research and then end up with a conference on the area of women in housing, because housing was an, was actually a topic that affected every, women, every woman, uh, and particularly women who were not properly housed or not adequately housed. So this was a very exciting venture for me because um, I, I became the project leader on this, and I ended up... Um, and I'm a sociologist, and so it was it was qualitative research, really. I ended up talking to all of the main make uh, movers and shakers uh, that work on housing in Chicago, and eventually got to bring um, two really pretty famous women in in uh, organizing public housing, one from washington, d c, Kimmy Gray, and one from St. Louis, Bertha Gilkey. Uh, and we we put on a, a Two, two and a half day conference at UIC. And um, we had many, many, many sessions. And that was the one that, that first introduced this idea of, of creative options for, for women, everything from women who are homeless, live in public housing, um, are housed, but their housing has, is very problematic. Um, and also some very creative architects participated who were designing um, in a way that would be um, in a way that would make the housing more more accessible and more usable for for particularly single women um, women in shelters. Um, so yeah, it was a it really ran the gamut. And why I say it was so exciting is because I was learning so much. Um, at the same time that I was working on that, I was teaching a course at UIC. Uh, called that I named um, Women in the Built Environment. And it was 
actually became also known as Redesigning the American Dream, which was the, the title of a, of a book of a colleague of ours, Del Dolores Hayden. And she, Dolores makes the, the point that it's possible to design housing and the built environment so that it, it actually facilitates living rather than makes it really, really difficult in, in multiple ways, including price. Um, but also the way that housing is designed. And increasingly, um, as I've gotten older, I've also really thought a lot about accessibility, except that was that was part of that first conference too, with Access Living. Um, then the next year, um, at the end of that conference, I asked people there, and it was very well attended, what you if we did another one, if we did another year-long project, what would you like it to be on? And there was a large contingent of women from the various 19 developments, public housing developments. And they were very um, vocal in saying, you should focus on public housing, uh, which really is a woman's issue because it's primarily um, female headed households. So again, it required a lot of research. Um, more people were involved in the research this time, thank goodness, because I was very pregnant. And, oh, Again, I learned a tremendous amount. Um, and again, I was teaching that course. And when I was teaching the course, all of the students had to do a project. Um, and, and I had them work on the conference, um, but they also had to do their own research about this topic. Um, so the conference was, was, I think, very successful. What was most exciting about it is out of that conference, I worked with another woman, Sue, um, Sue Dunlap, who ran the Midwest Women's Center to create a nonprofit called CHARTA, CHA Residents Taking Action. And as far as we knew, it was the first um, nonprofit that was created by residents for residents in the United States. Um, and it, yeah, it was very empowering for the residents. Um, and the, the people who were there wasn't, they they did hire someone um, to do the, I don't know, not the scuttle work, but they had, they hired, they had the, they had the funding to hire someone, um, but it was primarily run by the public housing residents, and it was an advocacy group for, uh, for residents. So out of that, um, uh, now, I'll just, now I'll just stop after this, out, out of that, um, Another colleague, uh, Roberta Feldman, who was an environmental design person, architecturally trained at UIC, um, we both agreed that we were just blown away by this one group of organizers at Wentworth Gardens Public Housing, right south of, at that point, right south of Kaminsky, Kaminsky Park. And um, they were in a fight to not get their development torn down because, as you know, there was a new park built. <clears throat> eventually, which I refused to call <laughs> cellular field. And um, they were successful. Um, they worked with a community organizer uh, who knew them from another struggle. And I was just so impressed with what they were able to do at that development. It was a 422 unit low rise development. They had created in the basements of the various buildings, uh, a laundromat, um, a grocery store, uh, a preschool, a preschool area, mm -hmm. and even a even a, a chapel, a church, 
one of the women, Mrs. Dumas, uh, had aspirations to be a minister. So she would hold services every Sunday. And these were all invisible, invisible um, ventures. If you came to the development, if someone didn't take you there, if you didn't live there, you wouldn't even know they were there. So, I mean, but that's kind of a metaphor for the way women organize. A lot of the organizing they do um, is invisible because it's right on the ground. Um, it's mm -hmm. not, um, I mean, Alinsky organizing is important where it's, you know, much more like this. That's important. But there's this other kind of organizing. I've called it women-centered organizing, which is, which is, Alinsky organizers would say it's very tame. But what it does is it builds relationships. And it gets things done that women need right then. You know, mm -hmm. they can't wait for these things to happen. They and if no one's going to bring them to them, they will make them happen. So that was so, very inspiring. So Susan, you you um, more more currently, I think you've been focusing on another invisible segment of people who also need housing. So from public housing to I think what you call the missing middle. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell Most, us about that? Sure. Most recently, um, I'm working with a group that comes out of the organization Arbor West Neighbors. Um, and what we're doing is we, we, we had a forum in 2017 about creative options for housing. And we decided that we wanted you to do another forum, but this time focus on what you just said, Catherine, the missing middle. And the missing middle are people who are not um, wealthy and they are not poor enough to qualify for government subsidy. And they're a growing, growing group um, and increasingly older people um, because we're, we're burgeoning. You know, we're just <laughs> we're, we're, we're there, the numbers of us by the by 20 by uh, in by 22 what is it 2040 do you guys know that 2040 is going to be huge um and it's already growing and and again so who are the pe the people that are the middle class the working class where where are we going to be housed so that's what this this conference is focusing on and um also what it's not just housing what does I mean, AARP has this concept, the livable community, the live, livable, livable community. What does it look like? It not only has good housing, accessible housing, but you're in a neighborhood that's walkable, um, that if you are able to, get, to take it, it's train accessible. Um, there's nice parks, there's a good library, um, there's places to get groceries. So that you are aging, uh, not just in place, perhaps, but you're aging in a community, which in quotes is a community. Uh, it's not just a long stretch of houses or high high rise. Um, it's 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 based in I don't know how else to say it in in livability. The environment is a friendly environment. So it's urban planning in a sense. Urban planning is part of it. Yeah. You have to plan for it and you have to fight for it because in the last few years, one example in Oak Park um, and River Forest has a few of these too. We have these huge high rises and it's not like that people are against high rises. They're not evil, but 
they're put right on the train station, you know, right on the near the train where other kinds of housing isn't put. And the people that live in those high rises often don't have anything to do with Oak Park. Um, they're going to the city, which they have every right to do. Um, but I was walking by um, Emerson, which is a high rise um, near the train, the Emerson apartments. Um, and I've been in them and, and they're, they're fine. You know, they're nice. They're expensive. But on the side of as you walk, they have these little advertisements, very well done commercially on the side of the building as you walk by them to the train. And it says, enjoy city living. And they mean the Chicago. They don't mean Oak Park. Um, and then there's other things that point you to your accessibility to the city, to the city, to the city, uh, instead of all the things that are going on in the community right around you and that you could get involved in, you know. Uh, so that is um, a focus of this forum, too, is uh, we have a, a, a woman, Gail Schechter, who for years has been working in this area of community where people people care about each other. You know, you're looking out for your neighbor. Um, your neighbor looks out for you. Uh, you have um, one of the things about missing middle housing is that it accepts the fact that everything isn't going to be this pristine single family home. Mm -hmm. You may have some two flats. You may, on our block, we have a four a four flat if not four flat, uh, two flat with four, um, two, two story with four apartments. And it totally blends in, you know, no one drives by and go, oh my God, look how awful this is. They're the most poor people. No, it's actually, those kinds of things are all over Oak Park and they blend in. And yet now these were prior 1920s built more, most of, most of the housing, the older housing, could you get that kind of thing built on blocks now? Uh, I don't think so. So this forum that you're a part of, how tell us a little bit more about that and what, what the actual goal is. Um, the goal is to, um, first of all, uh, to get people to, Gail's our, our keynote speaker, Gail Schechter, to get people to recognize that these issues exist because one of the things we're going to do um, is we're going to show examples of housing that blends into blocks, you know, that, that is a two flat, that is a four, four, four apartments or whatever uh, accessory dwelling units. Um, those are the, the standalone dwelling units that can be in someone's backyard, which are allowed now in Oak Park or are attached to a garage. Um, adaptive reuse in a house where you create another floor, mm -hmm. um, either up above or in the basement. If it's an older person, probably if they're gonna live there, probably a, a base, a redone basement is better. And this can be a very win-win situation um, because you can um, choose to age in your home and you live on the first floor and create an apartment on the second floor so that you can have you can rent it to someone and it can be a student we have two colleges near here um, it can be a student it can be a family member actually i mean it can be a niece or nephew um, that can happen with the the granny apartments too where you have them above the garage um, which is actually actually not real accessible for older people but certainly accessible for many people 
Um, and this is becoming more and more common. Uh, I'm from Los Angeles originally, and Los Angeles is so underhoused that they are doing all kinds of uh, creative ways to take a lot and get as much as much um, housing on it as you can, and not in a way that's offensive. Um, but this is going against the whole fear of people about density. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about. We're going to invite the the um, architect slash planner who invented the term middle middle missing middle housing, and he's going to put you know a frame around it. Um, we're going to talk about um, different kinds of models of um, shared living, shared housing. I've mentioned some already. Um, when I talked to you before, I told you, I, and I'll, we're, we're going to have breakout groups and, and experts at each, at each table at the end of the forum. Um, one of the one of the, the things we'll talk about is co-housing, which which is going to happen here in um, Oak Park. In the next two years, it'll hopefully be off, be ready to go. Anyway, co-housing is when you have our this co-housing is going to be multi-generational, um, which is another feature of livable communities. You don't silo older people and and whatever. Mm-hmm. And also, those places are not affordable for most people. Um, they may be very nice, but six thousand dollars a month. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, how do you take your home, another issue, and adapt it so that you can stay in it? Um, one of our members and Arbor West neighbors, um, Elizabeth, was just in the art paper last week, um, Oak Park Journal. She and her husband, her husband is, has Parkinson's. They were not, he was not able to get upstairs to the shower anymore. And they really wanted to stay in their home. Um, they had already adapted space for, for a room for him. Um, and so they they hired someone who is very skilled at this. And he created a shower in a closet, he opened the closet up, created a shower. And the other really smart thing he did was that he, he made the shower so that it can be removed when they sell the house. Mm-hmm. That's another. Thing people worry about. No one's going to want it if it has the, you know, understandably, you know. Right. Interesting. Uh, there's another model that you've mentioned to me, Susan, and I think it's uh, cooperative housing. Have yes. Talked, yeah. No, I, I talked about co-housing is when is is actually comes out of the Scandinavian countries. It in 1960s it was started. It landed in the U.S. in 1980s, and I've been privileged enough to see about 14 co-housing developments now, you know, in the different parts of the United States, but also in um, Amsterdam. Uh, the, I'll compare it with cooperative housing, but co-housing is when you each have your own apartment, condo structure, um, and a full, you know, a full condo, and then. What makes it co-housing is a commitment to intentional living and a common house, it's called. But it's a large common space with a with a um, very, very big kitchen and capability of, of serving dozens of people. Um, and it has um, a guest room, it has a playroom, et cetera, et cetera. Cooperative housing. So when you sell your 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 unit, when you 
buy in, you're not only buying your condo, you're buying a part of the common house. So when you sell it, um, you are selling your unit and you're selling a part of the common house. So what that means is whoever buys it has this commitment to co-housing. Cooperative housing is an interesting model too. Um, There's three or four of these right not far away in Logan Square, Um, smaller ones. Um, They're, I think, three-story, but they have six or seven units, maybe eight in some of them. Cooperative housing is when you buy a, a building with people and you don't own uh, a room in it, you owned a share in the building. And it's again, intentional community. It doesn't usually have a, a separate public place, although some people uh, fix up their basements. But if you share a meal, you usually go into someone's apartment. And um, it is an apartment. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a wonderful model. It's it's easier to do than co-housing, um, but you 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 do own a share. So when you leave, you sell your share and you get like a, a you decide as you make the rules, but you get like a 3% markup depending on your, on your selling price. And um, yeah, it's, it's again, much more popular in the Scandinavian countries. There's also really, really big cooperatives down in Hyde Park. Um, they're huge and they have the model that I just mentioned, but they don't have the intentional community because it's just too it's just too big. Uh, and they're they're very they've been very popular in um, New York City. And it's that's it. So Susan, you uh, you've mentioned that in a couple of years you're going to be moving to uh, a different living situation yeah. and you have something to celebrate. Uh, very recently. So tell us about, for you personally, what what this is going to involve. Um, Yeah, and I'll tell you how it was launched. Um, At the end of our first forum in 2017, um, co-housing was one of our topics. And my husband and I already seen co-housing, as I mentioned, in Amsterdam. So we decided to get uh, some founding members. We had four households and we had a big launch at what 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 was well, the Live Cafe in Oak Park. It's a, it's a place for not only eating and drinking, but but having supporting meetings, and it was packed. I mean, people were really really interested in this, um, and so we thought, well, you know, maybe this is maybe this is really possible. We didn't know if it was or not, but we started to have monthly public meetings um, and we would have them at the library uh, and we'd invite people that we had different ways to reach out to people. And now at the end of four years, we have over 250 people who have expressed interest in co-housing. Some of them initially committed to being in our group and then their lives changed because this has been going on for four years. You know, it's a a long time for people to to wait um, to move in. Uh, So, yeah, so now we have uh, seven households, and one of our householders is our developer. He is a local developer in Oak Park. Uh, My husband's an urban planner. Uh, Sanjeev is an architect. Um, His wife was was a designer. So we have a 
a very interesting group of people. Uh, and we're, again, very committed to be intergenerational and to, um, and, and to also um, have people that have disabilities if that's necessary um, and be totally accessible. And we wanna be a green, a green space too, and also be diverse by race and ethnicity. So it's going to be, uh, we just, what the exciting thing is, uh, a week ago, we bought a site finally. Uh, and that has been the most challenging and it is for every single co-housing in the United States. Uh, we were very committed to staying in Oak Park because of its diversity and its good schools. Uh, and my husband, the people that are in the core really like living in Oak Park. Um, so we, we, that made it more challenging because um, we don't have a, a huge amount of empty spaces here. Um, and this one is, is on a corner, a residential corner and a, and a, a commercial thoroughfare. Um, and it's a large, good lot, we'll have 26 units. Um, and the process has begun. I mean, it's like they say, let, let the games begin. Um, so it's an apartment building? It's an empty lot. And what will it be when it's 26 units? How are they, how are they structured? Is it an, like going to be in an apartment building? Everybody will have their own condo. Condo, okay. And an elevator? Um, how it will look, Gail, is we'll be working with the architect on that. Mm -hmm. How it will look. We have, um, Jonathan has, has mapped out what the spaces will be. Uh, we're gonna have uh, studios, one, two, and three bedrooms. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have a common house on the roof, a, a rooftop garden. Um, and there's, those are things we know, but how it will actually look, that's, we'll be working with the architect on that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I think the, one of the important distinctions is that people are buying into this co-housing notion that, that it's, um, they're part of a community. They're intentionally part of this community. It's not just a place to live. Right, and that's the, that's the most important thing. Um, years ago, my husband and I lived in a commune in Southern California, and there, there was just six of us, but that was the most important thing. Um, we had a wonderful old, 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 old big house uh, two blocks from the beach, um, and, and I remember, Charlie's, my husband's saying, we will never live like this again, because <laughs> we were living with the rich people. But um, yeah, we were very committed to this. We ate together every night, you know, it was, and we had to have these meetings to iron things out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's for people, actually, a lot of people who have been interested in it have had some touch of communal living in some way even if it was in their college dorm, you know, and they remember things that were good about it and things that weren't so good about it. It's uh, great. So any, oh, go ahead, Gail. No, I was just going to say it's a very exciting project. And uh, I'm sure you're pleased as can be that it's getting off the ground. Yeah, there's 265 co-housing developments in the United States. We'll be the first one in Illinois. And there's, I think about 148 or more in the works. Right now we're in the in the works column. Mm -hmm. um, but 
Yeah, yeah, it, it will be exciting. You have to be kind of, you have to be excited and, and patient at the same time. Right. <laughs> Great. Good information. Uh, any uh, last advice, Susan, for, for viewers who, who about how to, they might think about their own housing options? Someone like me, I'm, you know, early 70s, I live alone, I'm in a house. Mm -hmm. I keep well, thinking about moving, I have no idea what, why, I mean, sort of no why. But right, right. I where. think that one of one of my one of my friends that's working on this Betsy Kelly for years and she she actually worked in a shared housing um, nonprofit in the city she's very committed to the idea of shared housing um, where you not even make it a floor but just share your space with someone we have friends who have done this for years um, a particular part primarily with students um, a lot from what I see they live in Oak Park. Um, and then you they have a dinner together. And then the, the people are pretty much on their own. You do form relationships. It's very good for someone older um, to share with someone younger because there's things that you need done um, mm -hmm. that like even sh snow shoveling, but sometimes just even getting on a ladder and changing a light bulb or something can feel a little tenuous. Uh, so that's one option that people don't really think of, you know, and it seems a little scary and not scary, but irritating. Like, I don't know if I want this person in my, in my space, you know, um, that's one thing. The other thing is if you want to stay in your place, uh, Catherine, and I don't know if you do or not, you mentioned, you're not sure. Um, you could do some, you could do some kind of accessory, accessory dwelling, and um, you know, uh, rent it and raise the raise the raise the price the value of your home. So, yeah. Well, I I'm just I want to congratulate you and your your colleagues on this uh, co co housing opportunity. It's um, I've heard you you talk more about it too, and it just seems like such a a wonderful accomplishment. I know there's a lot more to do. Uh, but you've, as you said, the hardest part is is done. You have the property, have right? The well, that's the that's the hardest initial part. Oh, initial part. <laughs> There'll be more hard parts. Okay. Yeah, like Gail. Gail thought we were buying a, apartments. No, that would be make it much easier. Except we wouldn't have a common house. You know, right? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned this farm before. Where is that, and when the farm? Oh. It's going to be um, May 14th, Saturday, May 14th. Mm -hmm. And we're actually debating between uh, Concordia because they're going to give us free lunch um, or the veterans veterans room at the library. So, And where we, is this? What this is all in Oak Park? That uh, Concordia is in River Forest. Um, okay. uh, Oak Park veterans room. Oak Park main library is in, well, it's in Oak Park, obviously. Yeah, it's a nice big room. So it will be it will be not far away, and then and there will be parking and um, I I think it will be a lot of fun because of the kinds of people that we're bringing. Oh, you asked me the purpose. Another purpose is to bring uh, uh, public officials mm -hmm. and include them on panels, include them in the breakout groups, get some feedback from them. You know, like this is this is really important. You know, listen to this. Because 
like Catherine, you're, you're so what your situation is so common, Catherine. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you're not a special person, but <laughs> <laughs> you're living, you're living wow. situation. That's and I know, <laughs> you know, if I, if I was living alone, um, I would be seeking some kind of community living. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I don't know what that would have looked like because we're doing this now, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to become more common. A lot of the new co-housing um, developments are senior co-housing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big, personally, that's not attractive to me, but it, it seems to meet the needs of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So you're growing old with people, but you're not paying $6,000 a month to live at um, Brookdale. It seems it seems like this farm is is going to be a model, and this co-housing that you're building can be a model for anywhere in the United States that people want to, or anywhere. It can be, yeah. Follow you and find out about it. Yeah, you have to be very tenacious, though, Gail, um, because at so many points you can say, "I'm done." You know, I this is this is too much work, right? Yeah. Well, this is so you're an advocate from way back, Susan. So you, you you know about the staying power. That's, yeah, that's to, you're right about that. Um, you're right. Wonderful. And let me tell you one one more antidote, and then I'll, and we can be done. Um, so I get I get to, I would get discouraged, you know, and say to my husband, I don't think I want to do this. It's taking forever. Let's think of some place else to live. And because uh, we knew we wanted to leave here, our home. And my daughter said, her name, her name is Gina. She said, Mom, do you remember when you wanted, you said once that you wanted to be famous? And actually, she was the one who said she wanted to be famous, not me. But I, I went along with it. And she said, if you do this co-housing, you'll be famous. <laughs> I thought that was very cute and kind of true. Because I know we'll be on WBZ, we'll be in the Tribune, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. The first. Well, we knew you when. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you much. so much. This oh, is really you. very valuable. Very valuable thank, information. Thank you both. And thank you for doing this series. You're really wonderful. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye.